go to your vendors, ask them for two things. Number one, what's your roadmap look like? Show me innovation over the next three, four, five years. So I'm talking to my end users about what innovation in my business and their business is going to look like. And the second thing I look forward, what can you do to help me grow my business now? As a vendor, I should not just be providing technology. I should also be providing you support around and help and training around that technology and not just tech, but sales and marketing. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partners Podcast, where we talk with some of the leaders in software partner programs to learn more about what's working now. I'm Louis Gadima, your host. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Rob Ray, Vice President of Business Development at Datto, to the podcast. Datto has over 14,000 managed service providers, MSP partners worldwide, with over 500,000 customers, so it is a large-scale partner program. We'll talk shortly about how to grow a program to that size. Before Datto, for six years, Rob was Director of Partner Development and Operations at Level Platforms and has inside sales experience as well earlier in his career. Rob was named a Channel Partners Channel Futures Channel Influencer of the Year in 2018. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. And I have to compliment you on your accessibility. I literally reached out to you yesterday morning about being on the podcast, and here we are talking the very next day. Uh, you, you came in, I think <laughs> you're, you're really lucky. I think our stars aligned because I think the next available slot for both you and I was like months out. So worked out really well. Yeah, well, I'm glad I, it did. In, in one of my VP of business development positions several years ago, I responded to an inquiry from a new prospect uh, in less than five minutes. And she said, either you're incredibly responsive or you have nothing to do. <laughs> and I assured her that <laughs> I assured her we had plenty to do, but that we were also incredibly responsive. And I'm sure that's the same for you, too. Absolutely. So thanks. Well, I was in Germany yesterday, Nashville tomorrow. So I think uh, in Connecticut today. So let's go with the uh, oh. latter. So you're from Canada originally? Yeah, Toronto, born and raised. But I moved down to the U.S. Uh, to be closer to data when I joined them five years ago. So right now based out of Connecticut. Can you tell me more about how you moved through your career to invent, eventually head up partner programs and, and what do you like about it? What attracted you? Uh, what do you like about heading up channel programs? Uh, I spent the first actually 12 years of my career in the finance industry, nowhere near IT and, you know, kind of dabbled a little bit in, in IT there, but m more so on the sales side. Like I was one of the first ones to actually join the bank that I was I was working at to join the uh, internet banking team. This is back when we used to have to ship disks out so you could actually load the software on so you could use, like, basically transfer money between your checking and savings account was pretty much all the <laughs> functionality it had. But that was internet banking way back. Man, that makes me sound old. <laughs> I don't like that at well, all. Well, this is kind of the back in the day of getting AOL uh, CDs in the mail oh, uh, or disks yeah, exactly. in the mail over and over again. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. When you had to spell uh, out the HTTP, you know, for everybody kind of thing. <laughs> um, right, yeah. exactly. So so I actually discovered, I had a, a really, really smart kid that worked for me and, and you know, he kind of bounced around careers and um, he actually ended up leaving the bank and joining Compact Computers. 
And he called me up probably about a month later and said, they're looking for a good sales manager. They want to hire somebody outside of IT to come and manage sales because they were running it just as technical people wanting to run sales teams. So I applied, got the job. And then uh, that was in 2000, started learning about the world of IT. We got acquired by um, HP at the time, spent a couple more years there. And then what happened was the, in, the, in that space, in the hardware space, hardware was becoming commoditized. You know, margins were starting to disappear. Solution providers were starting to deal with uh, these big vendors going direct and cutting their margins. So the solution providers, the channel that I was working with, started more or less selling services. And this is where the birth of managed services came in. So the next logical step was let's look for a vendor that's in the managed services space so we can get out of the hardware game uh, and go to somewhere that's emerging and growing. And of course, you want to deal in software rather than in hardware because it's much easier to sell and you know you can download it right away. So this is where I found Level Platforms, which was a um, we developed a remote monitoring technology. So something that's fundamental to delivering services is being able to monitor and manage and report on end user sites. What's going on? You know, where are you getting alerts from? What needs to be looked at? What needs attention? That kind of thing. So uh, that was the next logical step. We sold Level Platforms in 2013 to AVG, uh, AVG Technologies, which you're probably very familiar with, the big antivirus company out of Europe. And at that particular time, um, because managed services, I spent a lot of time there. We spent a lot of time educating, you know, the traditional resellers on becoming MSPs, moving away from break, fix, and one-time revenue into recurring revenue and building out offerings and stacks around services. So Datto was one of these emerging backup vendors back in the day, and they chose real early in their, in their uh, startup to go exclusively with managed service providers. And because, you know, myself and a handful of other people were kind of really pushing the education piece around MSP, that was a kind of a no-brainer, fit really well with what my career path was, fit really well with what their needs and wants were. And that's where, in essence, I've been able to build out the MSP strategy for data over the last five plus years. Great. So those MSP partners are 100% of data revenue. Correct. Right? Uh, so for people who aren't familiar with Datto, why don't you just tell us what it is and, and what the software does? Yeah, it's a, it's a neat little story. So Datto, it was started about 10 years ago by a gentleman by the name of Austin McCord. Austin had just graduated, barely graduated from college, and he started Datto. Basically, he's a really smart, or back then a kid, because he was only 22, really smart kid, uh, lots of, of really good technical and coding talent. And basically, take took a look at technologies that were available to the enterprise space, but not available to the SMB space, and created basically a better mousetrap and a cheaper mousetrap for the SMB space. Screw the business. He started it in his parents' basement with a credit card loan that he had. <laughs> he kind of grew it uh, a little bit, you know, little chunks here and there, and he actually discovered the channel. And that's uh, pretty, pretty early and then discovered that he didn't have to sell it or market it. He could get this channel to do it and then he could focus on what he was good at, which is coding and developing. So, you know, he did that, grew the business probably to about a couple thousand partners when I, when I joined in 2013. We took our first round of VC in 2013 and that's when he really wanted to take the business to the next level. So I came on board and, and developed a really strong channel program and, and, uh, and a playbook. We spent uh, some money in getting the brand and the name out. And as you mentioned off the top, we now have close to 16,000 MSPs worldwide. 
and we sold the business to a private equity company a little over a year ago for uh, north of $1.5 billion. So in about wow. five years, we were able to grow it from pretty much nothing to, to that amount. That's quite a run. Absolutely. So, you, so you're adding thousands of partners a year now. Oh, you know, yeah. You oh, no, easy. More than that. So our, our yeah. foundation, our foundation was backup and disaster recovery. Austin found a way that backup, I mean, traditional backup, you take data, you store it in the cloud or store it on a device and you recover it when you need it. That recovery process is as good as that is. There's a lot of downtime in waiting for that recovery because depending on where the data is, how big the data is, those kinds of things. What Austin created was the ability to eliminate that downtime while you're recovering. So you don't have that, uh, you know, wait and, and we'll reimage the server or wait and we'll put that data back. So people are able to continue to work even in a down state. And that's been massive through for MSPs to be able to offer what's called continuity more so than backup. But we've also diversified. We've done a few acquisitions over the course of time because one of the things that we discovered was that we actually had a really good understanding of the channel of managed service providers. And we believe the MSP market was heavily underserved because a lot of vendors either traditionally have, have sold to resellers or VARs. Uh, they haven't necessarily focused on managed services or they sell direct, which of course is anti-channel in my mind. So there's very, very few vendors that were pure MSP. Well, we understood the MSP market. We had the base, we had the loyalty, so we had channel programs. So we acquired a company called Backupify, which was our first acquisition in 2014. Mm -hmm. That allowed us to do Office 365 backup, so now we can do cloud-based backup. We acquired OpenMesh in 2016, which allowed us to get into the networking space, so now we have an MSP-only strategy for access point switches, routers, the firewalls, those kinds of things. Uh, and then more recently, we rolled in Autotask, which is a PSA solution. Basically, it's the, it's the ticketing solution, the CRM that an MSP would use to manage its business. And along with that was RMM technology. And then a couple other auxiliary products we've developed and, and created over time. So we, we actually have quite a few different product areas that we're really, really good at, all MSP focused and all, you know, again, like pure channel only. So you must have acquired a lot of MSP relationships when you acquired those companies too. To be honest, you know, Backupify was, uh, they did Google Apps backup. And unfortunately, the Google doesn't work really well with the MSP channel. So a lot of those were direct relationships. Um, what we did was we acquired them basically to get the engineering talent so we could come up with the Office 365 version, which is MSP friendly. Um, mm. OpenMesh uh, had a channel program, but they also sold direct to end users through Amazon. We eliminated that about a year ago now, and now we're selling it exclusively as data networking through the channel period. So you can't buy our stuff on Amazon anymore or end users can't buy direct. So a lot of it is also bringing direct products into the actual channel and creating a channel only strategy. You know, since quite a lot of people who are listening aren't managing channel programs with anywhere near that scale, you know, what have you learned along the way about scaling up a program to that size? I, you know, I think I, there's a couple of different things. It, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, you, you asked me that question and I, I, my instinct is, ah, it's easy. But then again, you know, I think I've been evolving it and you have to constantly evolve it uh, over the years. And, and a lot of it has to do with, first of all, surrounding yourself with really good people, good people that are, are understanding of the channel and actually embracing it. 
I'll share with you that, you know, I've worked with vendors in the past that have both uh, channel as well as direct sales and the way they talk about their channels, extremely derogatory. And, you know, you can't have that, you know, if, if you're all in or all out, and we talk, actually, one of the things we say around here is you can't be half pregnant, you either are or you aren't. So you're either going to sell direct and, and focus energies on that or you're not. And if you're not, that means you got to treat the channel like you would every other buying customers, which means awesome, right? So, you know, for us, I think yeah. it's, it's making sure that you have the right people, the right mentality, but it's also keeping a pulse on what it is. And, you know, we've been very blessed where we're focused on the MSP market and the MSP market's focused on the SMB market. So for us, that market is big enough. We haven't been tempted to go direct or go up market or, you know, down into the consumer market. We've been able to focus on this market and this market is growing significantly. And the projected growth over the next five years is even more. It should almost double over the next five years. So for us, it's, it's making those right bets. It's getting the right people. And then it's constantly asking what else can we do and challenging ourselves with what else can we do? And it's, it, it's something that I struggled with because joining Datto, being that our, our founder was in his early 20s, you know, and I was at that time, you know, in, in my early 40s, you know, almost double his age. And the, them challenging the traditional way in which we would set up a vendor. We've been in the industry for a long time. You know, you set up a vendor, you find a DISTI, you go to market here, you do this, you have funded heads, you pay that. You know, it's just that you want to integrate with these people and don't talk to those people. It's just they challenge the traditional ways in which we did business. And it's, it's interesting because you have to have that kind of open mind in order to be able to evolve quickly. And challenging the status quo on why did we do things the way we did it just because that's the way we did it is not necessarily the right way. So, you know, it's been really kind of cool that way, um, a lot of work. And then I think the last part of that is checking in with your partners. Like we have a pretty robust partner advisory board, which is also part of uh, my team's responsibility. And we have ongoing contact with them and an open and honest relationship with them where we can say, hey, this is what we want to do. And there are times where they tell us it's brilliant. And there's times they tell us that's stupid. And you have to be able to, to, first of all, be able to take that information, use that information, and then make decisions on the direction of your business based on that information you're getting from them. So, you know, a combination of a number of different things has, has kind of allowed us to build it and build it. And, and as I mentioned, seemingly with relative ease. I've talked to people in some partner programs where sometimes as many as 50% of partners generate very little revenue at all. Does the 80-20 rule apply to partners at Datto? Do you, do you have a small percentage of, of partners who are like, you know, knocking it out of the park and producing most of the revenue or how, how does that break down? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's pretty consistent. Same way all the other vendors actually do it. You know, the 80-20 rule is probably a pretty safe one. Uh, I think where we uh, get lucky is we are diversified enough that I have, you know, an 80-20 rule on pretty much all the products that I've got and it's not the same 20. So, you know, I have the ability to, to, mm. to cross sell and upsell. The other beautiful part about my program is like, you don't have to have, you know, a massive fleet in order to get the same level of service or, or commitment that you would if you had a massive fleet. Our support, we did, we did great. And this is, this is part of being founded by an engineer. Our tech support is, is probably the best in the industry. I'd put it up against any other vendor's tech support team. Product innovation, you know, we don't have a ton of flaws or issues or bugs uh, in our product, again, simply because we, we're innovators first and uh, the core of the product and the core of the, the team and the foundation of data is all about innovation. 
So for us, you know, we kind of have a luxury where, you know, my support costs are relatively low as a result of those things. And therefore, you know, I can allow somebody to come into the partner program with a single device and sit there for a while. And we'll just wait until you have growth or you need us or whatever that moment is that uh, that we can do that. But no, I would suggest that your 80-20 rule is pretty consistent. Um, I just have a few luxuries around that. Yeah. One of the things you said early on was um, how your founder discovered the channel and realized, oh, I can just sell through that and I don't have to have a sales force. And you made that sound easy, but a lot of companies think that. A lot of companies think, oh, you know, we'll just sell, we'll get, we'll get some partners and they'll sell for us and it'll be easy. And then, then they discover there's an awful lot of partner support and enablement that goes into having a successful partner program. So it's not quite as easy as just, oh, let's sell through channels. No, no, no. Uh, well, I mean, it can be. It, it's, it's, it's a decision that you have to make, but then you have to figure out what those channels are. Because there's a, there's a lot. And, and as vendors, you get tempted all the time, maybe squeeze a deal in here or squeeze a deal out there, you know, that kind of thing. We get approached all the time by, um, you know, some larger shops that, that want to buy direct. They have their own in-house IT team. And it's just business that, as lucrative as it may be, you know, goes back to that. You can't be half pregnant. You already aren't. And as soon as you get tempted and take the bite of that apple, you're, you're done. And that's, uh, you're now a, a, not a, a channel-only organization. And the channel rewards loyalty. It, it really does. And, and that's something that's been kind of, it, it is a sacred cow around here at Data. It's one that, that we you know, won't slaughter. It's one that we want to stick with and, and continue with because all of our growth, and all of our success and everything we've been able to do, we've gone from, you know, 50 employees when I joined to, to about 1,600 worldwide now. That is all because of the channel. And how do you how do you bite the hand that feeds you like that? So, you know, for us, it's um, it was it was a relatively easy decision back in the day, and then it was done predominantly because an engineer didn't want to sell and market this stuff and found a channel that could. And uh, it just grew from there. And, and, you know, as a strategy, it's been an, it's been an absolutely lucrative one for us. And, and uh, I think we continue to, to set that bar really, really high. And what's awesome about it is, is that we see new vendors coming into this space. They want to figure out the managed services space. They tend to come to us first, which, you know, more than happy to share my playbook and, and share our strategy and everything like that, because I'm really vested into this MSP channel and the growth of the channel overall. And uh, that's that's where I think for us it's been it's super exciting and it's kind of you know I'll go back to to saying it again been relatively easy for us. Yeah, I mean if you want to reach that massive SMB market, having partners is is definitely the way to go. I I can remember about twenty years ago I was doing oh actually it's a little longer than that, but Lotus before its uh, IBM acquisition was uh, my biggest client, and I went they had a annual event down at Disney World, Lotusphere, where like 10,000 customers and partners would come and they would have a partner day before the, the full event. And there was this event where the CEO would meet with the partners and Lotus did not have a channel-only strategy. They had direct sales also. And, and there was like an hour and a half of partners yelling at the CEO about channel conflict, basically. It's like, yeah. why are you trying to take the best uh, opportunities from us? And Obviously, that's that's not an issue that you you've sidestepped that issue entirely. Yeah, but I've I've also experienced that in my career. You know, Compaq was a, was a channel only organization for hardware way back in the day, and then when we got acquired by HP, 
there were some direct sales and and you know there was actually quite a bit of direct sales and you know that was fueled by a lot of the different hardware vendors that were trying to cut margins get cheap product out there and how do you do that you bypass what they perceived as the middleman which was the channel and you know they're they're selling hardware the the channel in their mind didn't add a lot of value in selling hardware but that's a huge mistake it's a huge mistake especially if you want to stay relevant in the SMB market and maybe HP at the time wasn't interested in the SMB market but the SMB market in the United States, as an example, is 96% of all businesses that are out there. You start venturing into other areas like Canada and, and, and Australia, you're talking about 98% of the market is considered SMB, less than 1,000 seats. You know, this is a massive, massive market. Sure, it's a lot of little deals, but a lot of the little deals add to a massive big deal. And the great part about it is now I actually see these large vendors that have been I don't want to say abusing the channel, but not not treating them properly, not not responding to them properly, not necessarily catering to the the new needs of of the managed service provider versus the traditional reseller. And now they're trying to figure out how they get into the MSP space, and they're struggling with it because legacy is well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell you a product, you're gonna take your margin, you're gonna go away, and I'm gonna continue to work with the end user. And that is not the MSP channel. The MSP channel is they are the channel is our customer and we'll treat them as our our partners and give them the tools that they need so that they can go provide support and value and ongoing billing and contract management and all that stuff that they're actually doing so it's a different spin on a on a on a new way to do it but it's it's again one that's been extremely lucrative and one that has massive growth opportunities as as time goes on you mentioned about overseas and other countries and and Dado is in what 130 countries now I think we're actually, we just, believe it or not, I don't know if Antarctic is considered a country, but just <laughs> last week, the Antarctic was, it's, we have, we have a data device on every single continent with the exception of Antarctic, except last week, we finally got one into the South Pole. So wow. let's call it 131 and seven continents. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So yeah. uh, there, there must be all sorts of challenges in operating that many different countries too. Uh, yes and no. But again, remember remember what our business model is. Our business model is to work with MSPs. And an MSP is defined for us as a solution provider who is willing to provide support, frontline support, as well as billing to the ultimate end user. And it's billed on a recurring revenue basis. So I, what I do is I sell my product to the MSP. There is no MSRP. My price list is not available to end users. So the channel and the MSP can, can add as much margin as they need or want to it and then provide those services to the ultimate end user. So the end user, in, in essence, data could be invisible to them, and that's fine. I, my, my customer is the partner. It's the solution provider. So when they run into problems and need to escalate things, they can contact us. And that is scalable regardless of what language you're in, what country you're in. So what do we need? When we go into a new market, we open up a cloud so that you have local uh, local backups as well as cloud-based backups. But the cloud-based backups are in the region or country that you're comfortable with storing data in. And sometimes localized language if necessary. Localized billing, meaning you know we bill in Canadian dollars for Canadians and Australian dollars for Aussies. You know, we try to do that as much as possible. So you know, just doing some of the little things that MSPs want and need in their markets. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they want good technology. They want great support. They need a good price with good margin. 
That's it. And that's what we provide. And whether you're in Germany or whether you're in Canada, or whether you're in the United States, it does not matter. As long as you've got a vendor that's willing to do that, the MSPs will sell your stuff. Yeah. And, in, in, uh, you know, you mentioned pricing there. Um, I saw in, in one interview where you said now is the time for partners to be raising their prices. <laughs> and, <laughs> I did. I did. And, and you said, you know, the partners all say, what? You know, uh, you know, we're getting yep. people are pushing back on price all the time. Why is now yep. the time to raise prices, do you think? All right. So, OK. First of all, uh, any consumer, anybody that is going to buy your product is going to complain about price. We do it as consumers. We always want a better price. You go and buy a car, you want a better price. You know, you go and try to swing a deal and get a deal somewhere. And some countries are worse than others. IT is no different. So then you got to spin it and talk about what it is that you're actually providing the ultimate end user. And if you think about IT and the way IT has evolved, and a lot of the managed service providers have been around for decades. So they've also seen the days where, yeah, you had to compete on the same laptop, same spec with 10 other, uh, at that time, resellers. So therefore, it was whoever had the best price is going to get the deal. But it's not about that anymore. Today, it's about the service that you provide, not the product that you actually provide. Now, you think about IT, used to be pretty simple. I have a server, I have a desktop, there's really no cloud essential part of it, there's not a lot of uh, internet connectivity, you maybe have a firewall that's doing its job, any virus, any spam, any malware, you know, and that's pretty simple. A lot of end users went and actually could buy and consume these things direct from these vendors or go to Best Buy or, you know, purchase this equipment themselves and set it up themselves. Or my cousin Joey's really good with computers, so he's going to set it up for me. But times have changed. Times have changed significantly, just even in the last couple of years, between security, uh, between hackers, ransomware, uh, phishing viruses and scams that are going on every single day. It is significantly worse from a security perspective than ever before. Plus, when you factor in cloud technology and how complicated the cloud is for a traditional layman who doesn't understand IT, now all of a sudden the opportunity has become broadened. It's no longer a desktop and a server. You're now starting to get into SaaS. You're starting to get into internet connectivity, you're starting to get into Wi-Fi, people bringing their own devices into environments, people bring viruses into their environments, sharing USB keys, um, internet safety, all these different types of things, all these different ways that hackers can attack these sites. And the SMBs, as much as we only hear about enterprise shops in the news, the SMBs are the target. 60, I think our last number said 65% of all targeted attacks are at the SMB market. They don't make the news because who cares about Bob's manufacturing company if Bob's not publicly traded or, you know, a brand name like Apple or Facebook. So they never make the news, but they are the ones that are under attack more so than large enterprise. More so because they actually don't have the ability to protect themselves and the gazillions of dollars to spend on security. This is why the MSP is essential. Being and making sure that, you know, the end user sleeps well at night, that they don't need to worry about this stuff because they don't have in-house IT teams. The whole idea of managed services is that you're going to outsource this. You're going to outsource it to me. I'm going to treat it really, really well as if it's my own. I'm going to stay up to date on everything that you need from a security perspective, and you don't need to worry about it. That's the value of an MSP. That's worth a hell of a lot more than what the services we traditionally provided even five, six years ago. This is why I'm saying that this is not the time to be apologizing for price. This is not the time to start undercutting and underbidding each other. If anything, 
people should be paying a premium for the products and the services that you're providing these days because they're more important than ever before. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I run into this all the time where, as you said, the only thing people are going to negotiate on is price, right? They're not going to say yep. do a worse job. They're not going to say leave me vulnerable. Can you leave me partially vulnerable? You know, the only thing they're going to negotiate on price. And, and so salespeople and, and others sometimes think that's all people care about, but that's actually the only thing they can really negotiate on. Yeah, I was doing some interviews for a client, you know, marketing interviews with their customers. And this client thought that the only thing his customers cared about was price. And one of my questions is rank the top three things that go into your decision. And almost none of them put price in the top three. It was all about quality oh. and service and timeliness yeah. and responsiveness yeah. and things like that. But so, it's even, uh, it's even the same, actually, I saw a survey from CompTIA did the same thing when asking uh, uh, MSPs or, or the channel when they're selecting vendors, what's the criteria? Price is down as like number seven. Yeah, you know, it, it's actually, it starts with support. It starts with quality. It starts with innovation. You know, things like the tangible stuff like price and even Parker program are, are rounding out the top 10. So same, same reasons why end users buy from MSPs. So you often talk also about educating partners more. So what, what mm -hmm. do you think, what are the most important things that you focus on partner education? Uh, so myself as a vendor, when I'm, when I'm doing a, a speaking engagement or at an event, my goal is to provide value for the channel. Okay. It's, it's not to sell. I mean, it's, it's always to sell my product. It's always to move my company forward. But if I can provide some type of value for the people that are in the audience, if you can see that us as a vendor really do genuinely care about moving the channel forward, and therefore I'm going to talk to you about maybe something your business is a little bit weak in, or I'm going to give you a tool that maybe closes a gap that you have, regardless of whether you consume Datto product or not, then you're going to want to do business with me. Or at some point in time, you're going to want to do business with me. So my entire um, kind of approach to when I, when I have an event. So I'm doing a keynote tomorrow in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, probably in front of about 1,000 MSPs. Okay? So what I'm going to talk about is two objections. Uh, MSPs get traditionally objections of, it's never going to happen to me, so I don't need you, mm -hmm. and uh, you're too expensive. So mm -hmm. I have ways of overcoming those objections for an MSP. I have tools that I'm going to give the MSPs in the audience about how to overcome those objections. And by the way, if you're interested in data product, I've got a great team and a great booth set up, and we're going to be here for two days. Come by and talk to us. But if I can create some level of value for your business, you're more likely to actually look at my product or my service in the future. Now, if you translate that to an MSP, if there's an MSP listening to this podcast, if you think about it from that perspective, think about going to your own community and providing that level of education to anybody who wants it. So you're offering for free to go and talk about cybersecurity, not your business, but cybersecurity as a whole, because you're the expert in the SMB region. Talk about things like the ransomware epidemic. Talk about you know, how malicious attacks are targeting SMB. Talk about amount of downtime that small businesses are having. And I got a ton of content that I give MSPs to go and talk about this stuff. But if you do this stuff and go out in your community and become an expert, guess what? Same thing. People will want to come and ultimately do business with you because you are that expert, because you do care about their businesses and you're not just trying to sell them something. That's where you know, that whole education piece comes in is being a, a leader within your community, a respected person within your community, not just trying to sell another dollar or another 
Looney or, you know, Krona or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Big and time. that's one of the, I mean, that's one of the areas where I, I, I in my agency, what I find is a lot of partners and, and resellers aren't very strong on marketing. And so no. not only do they not sell through as much of your product as they might, they don't grow their businesses as, as fast as they could. And so, yeah, so let me ask you a question. Education. Yeah. Let me ask you a question then. So why is it that vendors will get on stage? They have a captive audience and you just said it. What do the MSPs need? Okay. The MSPs struggle with sales and marketing, not tech. They get technology. They are technologists. So why do vendors continually get on stage and talk about technology? Why not talk about what the gap is? What do the MSPs need the most? Yeah, no, I agree. The thing is, you know, how to, as you know, marketing today is not an easy, not an easy area at all. It's gotten far, far more complex than it was 20 or 30 years ago. And so uh, getting them to understand it and then to actually motivate them and give them the support to, to actually execute on it, uh, it's not a trivial thing. No. No, it's not. But you know what? If you if you go to your vendors, like, and I get it. A lot of a lot of MSPs. I think the average MSP is working with thirty five different vendors, and it's a pain in the ass to field calls from them every single day. Plus, plus the ones you're not working with that are trying to sell you something. But I will tell you, and and you know, I offer this advice to all MSPs: go to your vendors, ask them for two things. Number one, what's your roadmap look like? Show me innovation over the next three, four, five years. So I'm talking to my end users about what innovation in my business and their business is going to look like. And the second thing I look for, which, which are, are should ask for, which is goes back to what your comment is, what can you do to help me grow my business now? And that has to be things like marketing programs. Uh, it has to be things like content for them to be able to deliver ideas for them to be able to deliver uh, sales objectioning models, maybe even MDF funds for them to actually go out and run events or, or do ad campaigns, stuff like that. Like as, as a vendor, I should not just be providing technology. I should also be providing you support around and help and training around that technology and not just tech, but sales and marketing. So, you know, nobody's going to sell BDR better than I can, but I can at least pass that wisdom on to an MSP so they can go and at least pass that wisdom on to an end user and hopefully make some money at it. You have a Datacon uh, annual conference. How does that fit into all of your partner education and your partner program? Massive. So Datacon is our annual uh, user conference, and we do two. We do one in the United States, and we do one in Europe, although both are international shows. We have uh, Europeans coming to, to the American show and, and Americans going to the European show, and it is, um, it's a f phenomenal community. So it's one of the largest, if not the largest MSP uh, event worldwide. This year, it's going to be in San Diego, California in June. We have 2,200 MSPs, probably closer to 2,500 MSPs will be an audience from all over the world with another add-in vendors and staff, probably close to 3,000 people at Datocon. But it is an MSP show. And, and one of the cool things I love about Datocon is education is critical. You're going to spend two and a half days out of the office. You're going to need to learn something. So we have tracks set up where you can pick a technical track if you're technical or sales and marketing if you want sales and marketing. If you're the business owner and uh, you need to know, like we have a business ops uh, track that's, uh, that's being run by multi-million dollar MSPs 
So we've got a, a number of different kind of tracks and options, some great keynote speakers. We have a little bit of fun as well, like uh, some big parties and stuff like that. But I think the probably the most critical part is that most of the content is actually being delivered by other MSPs. I get I get a chance to travel around the world and and talk to a lot of MSPs, some that are are successful, some that aren't. And I find these cool MSPs that have found a great angle or a great hook around maybe it's sales, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's using MDF funds, maybe it's uh, around the actual technology. And we actually bring them to Datacon and have them on stage showing the rest of the world what it is that they're doing and how they're having success. So the message is coming from another MSP, not a vendor to an MSP. And then we have our event, our European event this year is in Paris in October. So, you know, really, really cool place to go and learn. I think it helps an MSP, like the biggest value you're going to get from it is actually engaging with others. And when you find out that what's keeping you up at night is also keeping others up at night, but somebody else out there has solved this problem. And uh, you generally will walk away from there with a ton of learning, engagement, relationships, those kinds of things. We also have about 60 or 70 vendor sponsors. So you'll also learn a lot about some of the newer technologies that are coming up, which is also super important in making sure you constantly evolve your business. So it's uh, really trying to condense as much learning as we can into a short period of time. Well, that sounds great. So, Rob, this has been terrific. Um, I just want to wrap up with a couple questions. You know, business is changing so rapidly for everybody. How do you personally keep up and learn? Podcasts, books, events, uh, any favorites that you have? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so I actually do fly a lot. Uh, so I my, <laughs> I, believe that. I, I do, and and for me, uh, if I'm on a flight, I'm actually not online as much as there is Wi-Fi these days and everything like that. A, it's terrible. So just trying to turn it, stay connected is frustrating enough. So when I'm on a plane, you know, and I, that's kind of the time that I book to myself and for learning. And there's a couple things. A lot of a lot of MSPs write books. There are some phenomenal books out there written by managed service providers. You know, so I've got a ton of, of reading about, and it's all from the perspective of the MSP. So for me, I kind of immerse myself in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also listen to a ton of podcasts, just the evolution of the podcast, where it's all going. The content that you can find online is absolutely amazing. You can find a podcast about pretty much anything these days. So I love those and, and definitely download and listen to a bunch of those. But um, and, and you know, for me, believe it or not, what's that, sorry? Uh, any particular podcasts you know, that are favorites? Uh, from, a, from a channel perspective, like if from an education within the channel perspective, there's a, there's a few actually. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Larry Walsh. He runs uh, mm-hmm. one that's called the 2112 right. uh, podcast really cool inner 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 kind of um inner look into the the channel and how things tick and you know he's got different guests on each week and i find that super interesting there's a there's a vendor out of canada called avec which does network monitoring they've got a great podcast series that they just got off the ground called frankly msp um some really cool stuff that they're cranking out some really kind of thought leadership that's in there there's a there's a ton there's a ton you can't there's okay. no shortage. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've even got my own podcast. But one of the uh, one of the best ways, one of the best ways to learn about the pulse of the channel, and it's painful, and sometimes it's it's offensive, is watching social media. And mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of a lot of vendors that hate this because there's trolls in the world, 
And there's always somebody in a group that's going to hate you no matter what you say or what you do. But listening and watching, there's a, there, I know I subscribe to about four different Facebook sites that are exclusive to MSP business owners, and they will get on there and they'll say, here's what I love about this vendor, hate about this vendor, love this tech, hate this tech. But it is a great way to get a good pulse. Uh, Reddit is another one of those. I prefer Facebook versus Reddit because Reddit is, is very anonymous. And you can't really tell whether it's a real person or maybe a competitor that's posting nonsense. Whereas Facebook, you can track it to a real human being. So getting in there and actually going through this stuff and getting a mindset of the MSPs, I do a lot of that as well. But it, it can also rot your brain if you if you really let it get to you emotionally. No, those are all great suggestions. And definitely, you know, uh, using social media, even if you're not engaging or posting, but using it to listen and learning Absolutely. what, what uh, customers and partners are really talking about in terms of you and your competitors. Uh, that's a that's a great use of it. You'll so, always learn more by listening than you will by speaking. Yeah, absolutely. How can people contact you and, and uh, Datto and learn more about your partner program? Datto.com, uh, D-A-T-T-O.com. Myself, my email address is rob at datto.com. I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. If you want to take a look at, at the tools that we've got that I mentioned, you know, I've got things like downtime calculators. I got some cool little commercial videos that we produce for, for partners, uh, non-Datto related. If you are interested in that, if you send an email to tools at datto.com, you've got a bounce back email like an out of office with direct access to all those. So you don't have to sign up or take a call or do a demo or anything like that. You literally get all those really cool tools uh, that we've got on the go at the current moment. So tools at datto.com. And then of course, uh, datocon is uh, datocon.com if you're interested in joining 22 2500 other msps in san diego in june it's uh, we'd love to have you all right terrific and i'll put uh links for that in the show notes that that will be at revenueassociates.biz so thank you uh so much for joining us today rob that well, was thanks for doing uh, this that was uh so interesting so if you're listening to this podcast on on apple Podcasts or another app and you found it as interesting as I did and useful, uh, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about it too. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and please subscribe and listen to future episodes.